Consumers are increasingly interested in supporting brands that make a difference in their community and in the world. Today, we talk to the sisters who lead WS Badger, a natural body products company with a mission to improve the lives of its employees and customers and leave the world a better place. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting, and welcome to BizCast NH. or summer or some sort of vacation or something. Um, so in that case, I'm curious, um, did you, I know you moved around a lot uh, as a kid, but did you guys have sort of family vacations, things like that, that you always looked forward to? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, not to any particular place, okay. but that's what I loved about it, is that, you know, especially, you know, growing up as an Air Force family stationed overseas, you know, we, you know, we would go to Holland, we would go um, to uh, Scotland, you know, it was always, you know, like, oh, we're going to go and stay at a castle. It's like, you know, not too shabby for family vacation, certainly better than my kids are getting. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting robbed. (laughs) We're going to Portsmouth for the day, kids. (laughs) And you're going to like it. Oh, my goodness. How about you? When did you grow up? With what was family vacations like for you? Oh my gosh! Well, we I'm trying to think. I was either like five or seven. I think it was probably seven. And we, my my mom said that they wanted to start doing a family vacation. I'm like, all right, that's the way to do it. Just say this is what we're gonna do. So she and my grandmother found. Now this is going back a ways. She and my grandmother went into the Want advertiser you know, magazine. Remember that? You could get everything from like a family vacation to a car, an old car. Yeah. And she's looking through and she founds found this place called Silver Lake in Harrisville, New Hampshire. Oh. Right. And so they go up for the day to see the house. And the the people who then became dear friends of ours and uh, and and have been for years since then were having or had had this like raucous party. So there was like beer cans and people and and they were like it's perfect (laughs) it's perfect it does sound perfect you know we do a lot of staycations now where we rent a house and that's it and we did that two to three weeks every summer and until i don't know even just a few years ago and we still go and it's like family and we're still involved there and all that because you know and that was like the idyllic situation where you get the the same two weeks every year because we were those people um but then it was like okay i know which friends are there right uh and and, and you know and when they're not there and all yeah it's oh, yeah. that family tradition you know for us it you is. know it's yeah. been north conway so we go up to the north conway area yes. quite a bit for the summer mm-hmm. um and we'll rent a house for a week and and do this you know storyland and all that you know while the kids are still young enough yeah. to enjoy that and it's something we really look forward to because you can go out in nature and you can go up to Diane's bath mm-hmm. and, um, and go looking for the waterfalls and oh, all yeah. that. And then you can go and enjoy, you know, family fun at the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is instilled those, you know, traditions that uh, what we do when we go up there that kind of bonds you as a family. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's just it. It bonds you as a family. And then, of course, you bring friends and other family and they're like, oh, what is this place? This is cool. 
Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to tell too many people, but yeah. Um, all right. Another rabbit hole here on BizCast NH. We just love, love the rabbit holes. But we, um, speaking of family and, and whatnot, have a lot to talk to our guests about today. And let me give them proper introduction. Emily Schwerin-White and Rebecca Hamilton are second-generation family owners and co-collaborative executive officers, co-CEOs, that is, at Badger, a natural and organic personal care manufacturer known for its unique company philosophy, pioneering family-friendly benefits, and B Corp community engagement. Emily co-leads Badger's strategic visioning and oversees its sales and product development. Emily's been a part of Badger since its founding, helping to pack boxes while in high school and after graduating college, learning the operations side of the family-owned and family-run business before taking on leadership roles in customer service, marketing, sales management, and product development. Rebecca leads marketing and sustainability initiatives, among other accomplishments, which we will get into. Rebecca also spearheads the passing, spearheaded the passing of the Benefits Corporation legislation in New Hampshire, a for-profit status that incorporates the pursuit of positive environmental and social impacts in addition to profit. Rebecca and Emily are the Alnoba 2021 CEO Environmental Leadership Award recipients as well. We have so much to unpack, including both of you and all of your accomplishments and everything Badger is doing, but let's start off our listeners on the right foot and tell us just simply what Badger is. The, the simple uh, question. Of course, yeah, you know, in the answer. elevator, 30 seconds, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you did a great job introducing it. You know, we're focused on making organic and natural body care products, and um, we're a manufacturer, something we really care about because it allows us to ensure we make the highest quality products that we sell to our customers. And we have focused on our internal community and how we take care of employees. And uh, you mentioned being a B Corp, and that's mm-hmm. something really important too. And Rebecca might have something to add to that. Well, I have, I have lots to add. Yeah, uh, please do. Add it, I, I add think it that's going to come in a later. <laughs> no, go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want me to talk about B Corp now? I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to do that because that was definitely one of our questions and, and just sort of unpacking what it means to be a B Corp. And then on the other side of that, how do you become a B Corp? Do you, do you have to apply? Do you have to be a certain thing before you're a B Corp? Can you work toward it? All of that. Let's, let's unpack that. Sure. Well, we've always considered ourselves a mission-driven company, mm. which really at its core means that we feel like we have a higher purpose than just maximizing profits and return mm-hmm. earnings to shareholders. Mm-hmm. And so when we were a smaller company, that was something that our family had created that was instilled kind of in the leadership in the company. But it, it wasn't something that was instilled in the DNA of the business, in our operating procedures and how we run our business each day. And so we had a turning point uh, probably around 2010. We were in this big growth period and transitioning to building a new building and bringing in lots of new employees. And we had this question of how do we grow and evolve and rather than having the unique mission-based things that make our company feel so special, kind of, you can have it weaken as you grow or you can strengthen it. And we wanted to strengthen it. And around then, uh, we learned about B Corp. And B Corp is really cool because what what they're doing there is they're creating and providing structure for businesses to build the mission into the DNA of the business. And you do that through several different ways. Uh, The first thing that you do is you sign a declaration of interdependence. 
um, which basically says that you are a business among other mission-driven businesses and that you're going to work together to be a force for good. Ooh, I like that. So that's something I think that's quite unique that's not often brought up about B Corps. Mm. The second thing, and maybe I should have said this is the first thing, is that you have to take an impact assessment and mm-hmm. you have to score a certain amount on that impact assessment. Sure. And uh, the score is quite rigorous. It's out of 200 points and the minimum is 80, which might not sound as rigorous as it actually is. But most businesses, if they took the test, wouldn't get above 80. Mm. Most businesses would be a lot lower. And and 200 is all possible points. And the way that they structure it is so that some businesses might, we might have things that we would never get points for. Like, for instance, we live in the middle of rural New Hampshire. We're never going to get points for public transportation. Mm-hmm. It's just not relevant. Uh, it may not be as important to us to conserve water as it would be in California. And so we might have different standards around that. So those 200 points really account for some differences from business to business, even though there are different assessments for, say, an agricultural farm versus a manufacturing facility versus a consultant. So you have to score that, that minimum amount. And then the third thing is that you have to change your articles of incorporation so that your purpose for being a business is not just to maximize profits and return mm. earnings to shareholders, but you actually write your mission into the uh, operating principles. So yeah. that really just changes your purpose for being in business. And that is beneficial for two reasons. One is just as an identity, mm-hmm. being able to say that legally our purpose for being a business is is more than the profits. But the second thing is, is if the business were to sell, it protects you from having to sell to the highest bidders and allows you to take into account mission values. And so it helps protect a business from generation to generation and through transitions. And so it kind of just cauterizes that uh, value set. And it also requires the impact assessment. A big part of the challenge with that is that every choice that you're making when you fill out the impact assessment, you have to substantiate that with a procedure or with documentation. So it really requires that not only do you have an aspirational goal, but you can back that up with your daily actions. Mm. And so that's how that really helps to have uh, your mission values baked into the DNA of the business and allows you to keep it and strengthen it and improve those values as you grow larger instead of losing them. That's beautiful. And you, you guys are absolutely a company that, you know, certainly walks the walks the walk, talks the talk, as it were. Um, you mentioned the new building, um, or relatively new building. Uh, in 2011. Okay, <laughs> that's right. I mean, hey, as buildings go, that's pretty new, It was right? a quick 10 years. Um, yeah, really, I bet. I bet it was. I bet it was. Um, but you also have a, a 1,400-panel solar array on the property mm. that's wild so does that power the the entire facility or tell us about that as well i mean I, that's one of those walk the walk sort of things i mean you're you're doing it you're 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 reducing you know your your footprint as it were um but it and is that a relatively new thing did it come with a new facility um, yeah yeah Well, it's only been a couple years mm. it was a goal of ours for a while and it actually coincided uh with Badger making a commitment along with 400 other B Corps to reach uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2030, 
which is a really ambitious goal. We're, mm. we're still working on our pathway to that, but that's something that we're, is really important for us to take a stand on being a business that's working toward a solution to climate change. Mm -hmm. And so we signed that agreement and then signed the contract to make Badger a solar powered facility the next day. And we partnered with another B Corp, Provision Energy, Mm -hmm. And they actually installed all of the solar during the first year of the pandemic. And what was cool about that was we were able to offer outdoor jobs that were safe during an early part of the pandemic. They built all the solar array and we built it large enough that we can actually power 120% of Badger's annual use. So it gives us a little wow. bit of room to grow. But at the moment, that also means that we're putting energy back into the grid mm -hmm. and helping to power I think probably my house in Gilson, but you know, <laughs> helping to not power just your house, but yes, <laughs> that's Lo awesome. local houses in our our little town of Gilson. So before we go too much more further into today, I want to hop in the wayback machine. Oh and, yeah, let's do it. And can you talk about how this business, this family business, got started? What were the initial products, and and how it was um, progressed to? Hey, we might have something that's sellable here to building how, how the company then evolved into a company that thought differently about its approach to business. Well, if we go back to the beginning of Badger, um, when we were kids, our dad was a carpenter mm -hmm. and he had cracked hands from working outside in the winter. If any of us spend a lot of time outside, it's very cold and dry and he is a serial entrepreneur, so he's always had business ideas. He doesn't just um, solve his own problem. It turns into a business. So he had this idea and made up a balm for his cracked hands and thought, if, if I need this product, then probably other carpenters need it. And that's as, as far as kind of the initial thought was there are lots of carpenters in, in New England, and I could at least sell a box at Hampshire Lumber in Keene. And so he made the first product, Badger Healing Balm, Relief for Hardworking Hands, and he made it in our kitchen and um, pretty quickly decided he could make a business out of it. He didn't have uh, any idea that it would be this sort of a business, but <laughs> he knew he could sell some of it and made wooden boxes and ordered up, I think, 3,000 tins, painted tins in his first order and filled them by hand. And drove his carpenter van throughout New England, uh, going into stores, um, selling one by one. And that was kind of the, the very beginning of Badger 25 plus years ago now. Wow. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's like the perfect story. Like, that's exactly how it should be done. Get that, in the van, doing the kitchen, get in the van, yes. get going with it. What I would add to that, just yeah. to kind of take it back even a little bit further, Ooh, okay. <laughs> is that up until I was eight, so Emily was a little bit older, um, we had no running water. <laughs> we, we lived in a, uh, not even a one bedroom, a like studio cabin with just little bunk beds and a wood stove. This recording studio was bigger than the yeah. cabin wow. we lived in. Oh <laughs> No, this is a lot larger. This is a lot larger. <laughs> all all oh five of us. There is an outhouse. It's really scary to get there. Uh, wow. And we, and we had gardens. And my, one of the things I remember really clearly, aside from having to go to a stream and get buckets of water, 
for us to cook food in and also to have bucket showers on the porch <laughs> was also that we had underneath our beds, you could op- you know lift up the bed and there are stashes of buckets of grains. And we had organic beans, organic rice, and organic oats and organic lentils probably. <laughs> so we'd have like root vegetables and lentils. We'd have oats every morning for breakfast, but they were organic. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when we come back around to looking at Badger being a mission-driven company, We didn't start out with our father saying, I'm going to be out in the natural products industry and I'm going to be changing the world and I'm going to be a mission-driven business. Mm. He just was trying to make a product that heals his cracked hands and he thought, if I need it, some other people need it. Mm -hmm. But the core of our family values are around organic, healthy food, living close to the land. And so from the beginning, the products were very simple. And when we could make the ingredients organic, we made them organic. And when an employee came and asked if they could bring their baby to work, we thought about, and this is something our mother really has brought into the company, Mm -hmm. how can we build a program around that to support every parent in bringing their baby to work if they want to? And so these kind of philosophical things that have led to Badger being uh, a mission-driven business came from either our our philosophy as a family or things that people brought, the employees brought, or people who worked there and are part of the community. So it evolved over time. That's awesome. And, and what that's an a- amazing childhood that must have been. <laughs> I mean, you can define <laughs> amazing as you. <laughs> we're, we're happy to have been formed by that experience and happy mm. to have moved beyond that Yes, right, right, right. I, I exactly. really love running water. Me too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my I, I appreciate it deeply. <laughs> yeah, more than you probably would have if you had it your Absolutely. entire life, right? <laughs> and being able to turn on the heat just uh, whenever you want it. You know? it but that also gives it's you really an awareness there. of like, you know, how important fighting climate change is because, mm. you know, we have a lot of benefits in our society right now that, you know, there's a there's a risk associated with that and, and something to be really aware of that those benefits that we come to accept and recognize as normal day-to-day benefits mm-hmm. are, you know, really privileges that we have to care for. Absolutely. And, you know, reflecting on, on, on your answer, it also segues into an area I want to delve into. I mean, W.S. Badger has been among Business New Hampshire Magazine's best companies to work for. And for a reason, you know, that sense of family and mission, it, it's not just for your customers. It, it It's closer to home with your employees. Can you talk about the culture that you've created there? Um, There's so much that has woken up companies and opened their eyes during this pandemic about people wanting to have more family-friendly benefits and more flexibility and such, but that's been ingrained in your culture for a very long time. Can you talk about everything from you know, the, the bring your baby to work to starting us, you know, having a relationship with a school for the, your employees, kids and, and everything that stems from that and coming together for a meal. There's yeah. so much cool stuff there. Well, you know, we, we were mentioning, um, our dad really built this business in the beginning. He was doing it full time, um, at the very start of the business. And when the lunch program started, I think he was motivated, like he just was hungry and he wanted food. And so like (laughs) he started making soup. You know, if you ask him, if he was here and you said, what were your favorite classes in school? He would say lunch and recess. Nap nap time? (laughs) I don't know if that was a thing, but that's what he would tell you. So he, he's very motivated by the things that make 
you know, that are comfortable. And eating together um, was, I think, just a simple thing at the time. He was going to make soup on Fridays. We probably only had 10 employees. Mm -hmm. It was a very small thing. But something as simple as eating together is kind of the foundation of community. And so that having a free organic lunch cooked every single day at Badger is one of the uh, cornerstones, I think, of the community feeling and the culture at Badger. And so it started as a small thing, and now that's a time that people from different departments get together, sit together, eat. Fewer people right now sit together in the dining room than before. Lots of people eat outside. But that was kind of, um, I think, the cornerstone of that. But the idea of it being a community and not just a workplace is what has really grown over time. And we've added a lot of different benefits like babies at work um, that just build on that idea that we're a community and not mm-hmm. just a workplace. Right. And, and what I would also add to that is mm-hmm. how much of a significant role our mother has played in that. So our mother came into the business after being a teacher for 25 years. And so she came in with a really strong uh, perspective around how do we care for the children of our community and the philosophy that the children are not just the responsibility of parents, they're the responsibility of the whole community, mm-hmm. and that a business is also part of that community. And so Badger has had that perspective, and she's brought that in through uh, really creating not just an an ability for parents to bring their babies to work at Badger, but creating a program that she could then share with other businesses, uh, creating the child care center that we had up until the pandemic, creating, um, she has done a lot of work with Impact Nanak. Mm-hmm. So not just having things that we do at Badger, but really trying to have us be a role model and supporting other businesses and lifting everyone up together and saying that we as a community need to care for our families and children and be part of having that be a, a whole holistic and, and healthy thing that businesses and community work together towards. Awesome. We'll be right back with Emily and Rebecca. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. We're back with Emily and Rebecca from Badger. And so when it came time that the your folks wanted to hand over the reins, um, you know, obviously you've been involved in the business in, in a variety of ways, but what was it like to then take on the leadership of it and know that not only entrusted with this history of it, but bringing the business forward and, and, and taking it to new places? Well... I think it felt um, a little anticlimactic, actually, in the Uh beginning, just because we have been involved for so long, and our family has always been very collaborative in the way that we run the business. And so, um, well, it it at first felt just symbolic that Mm -hmm. it was just kind of a shift of who had that title. I think that over the last two years or so, as we've stepped into that role, it has allowed us to reimagine what we see the future and to say, wait, this is, we, we get to help shape this. And um, Rebecca in particular, I think, 
is really has a vision for where Badger's going, which is super exciting. And maybe she'll talk a little bit about that. Yes, please. Maybe she will. <laughs> As we all look over to her. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, please do. Please well, don't. you know, taking on this leadership has come at a really interesting, difficult, exciting, challenging time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we took over the leadership. And as Emily said, in some ways, it was this very smooth kind of quiet transition because our father had been kind of stepping back for years before that. I think his last year, actually, he was building his house and wasn't coming into work. And we asked him about six months after he hadn't been coming to work. I said, are you, are you retired? <laughs> I think I'm on sabbatical. We're like, okay. So then another six months later, he's like, I think this title of CEO doesn't really fit the work that I'm doing. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was a very... Um, soft transition. And our, our mother is still, you know, working full time at the company. She is our chief mission officer, really focused on community development. But with the pandemic happening and also a lot of shifts in the marketplace. So the pandemic happened around the same time that we saw really major shifts in mineral sunscreen. So mm. Badger makes about about 50% of our products or sales are coming from sunscreen, give or take. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you follow any kind of news around mineral sunscreen, but when we started making mineral sunscreen back in 2005, there were maybe two other brands in the U.S. that made mineral sunscreen. It had fallen out of favor, and, you know, back when sunscreen was first being used, it was just like that life card zinc that was bright white. Right. (laughs) And then they discovered chemical sunscreens, and it was just this kind of revolution of, oh, you can have spray on, it can be cheap, it can be large, it can be easy to apply. And so that's where the trend of the market went. And we started sunscreen because we had an employee who was diagnosed with skin cancer and told to wear sunscreen every day of the year. And she brought in uh, oxybenzone-based sunscreen, and it was right around the same time that we were starting to see some uh, studies coming out that oxybenzone might be cancerous mm. or carcinogenic. And our father at the time saw this and, you know, felt like this is, this is a really difficult position to be put in, to be in a place where you have to protect yourself from the sun and the main thing that you can protect yourself with might be carcinogenic. Right. And so he wanted to create a sunscreen that the only thing we were focused on was health and safety. So how can we make a sunscreen that is as simple as possible and as safe as possible and that we're not going to focus on the easy-to-apply, inexpensive spray-on mm-hmm. where the market was going. And right. so we basically put zinc oxide in a simple organic bomb base, and that was our first sunscreen. And we assumed it would kind of be like a um, gift, not a gift, or like a, this is for the far, far left. We're going <laughs> to have it out in the market. We're not going to make any money, and we're not going to sell anything because mm-hmm. who's going to want it. Mm-hmm. little but, niche, niche market, yeah. but not even. <laughs> Uh, But then in 2006, the Environmental Working Group came out with this huge study where they said one in four sunscreens doesn't adequately protect against UVA, and there are ingredients that might be carcinogenic. And so it really kind of exposed some of the concerns with sunscreen, and we sold out of a year's supply in about two weeks. And then that really kicked off the growth of Badger from there. And we've since really expanded our sunscreen line and made our formulation as good as it can be, being as simple as it can be, and really Mm -hmm. prioritizing safety. So kind of 
speed up to almost the present time. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, 19, right before the pandemic and right around when we were transitioning into leadership, um, mineral sunscreen was growing and it was growing because there was legislation being passed banning certain chemical sunscreens because of damage to coral reefs. The FDA came out and said the only two active sunscreen ingredients that are generally recognized as safe and effective are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. There was a study that came out that showed that oxybenzone passes through umbilical cords into newborn infants. Whoa. The United Nations had listed sunscreen chemical ingredients as being part of the concern on water safety internationally. And so all of these different things led toward major brands coming out with mineral sunscreen. So now all of a sudden, your banana boats and Neutrogena and every brand under the sun has a mineral sunscreen. And so for Badger, we had to rethink about how we communicated what our sunscreen is because we knew that we had something special. We continue to feel that our sunscreen is unique because there isn't another one on the marketplace that is as simple as ours. Mm -hmm. You know, it's basically zinc oxide, organic sunflower oil, organic beeswax, and sunflower vitamin E. It doesn't get simpler than that. No. But it's incredibly complicated to manufacture. Uh. And so we manufactured ourselves. We're the only brand of our size that actually has a registered drug facility and manufactures our own sunscreen with mm -hmm. our own custom formulas that we've been making since 2005. And we are a leader in the industry. But when all these big brands came into the marketplace, they were putting a huge amount of marketing dollars behind their products. Mm -hmm and kind of using the language that we would used in the past, but doing it, you know, frankly, better than we could. Uh, and so we kind of had this moment of, of reflection of thinking about if we're going to, you know, take our business into the future, what does it look like? And, you know, how do we need to communicate who we are so people understand everything that's behind the product and also the value that they'll get when they, when they use this product, that this is a product that's not just, you know, going to protect them from the sun, but it's actually nourishing and good for their skin, that we have created it by putting safety first and foremost. You know, all the things that initially people recognized, we needed to, to re-envision how to communicate that. And so that's really one of the things that led to us thinking about our product branding and, and kind of re-envisioning what the future would be and, and how we present ourselves out in the world. Interesting. Well, and to that end, in terms of your... Um your branding and, and and I love that the the company and and I guess no surprise based on the roots is that you're you're always um, you're you're okay with rethinking things and and thinking okay how do we do better and how do we uh, you know market ourselves better and all that but and you recently had what looks like um, maybe not a full rebrand but your badger looks a little different or the the containers so you mentioned um, early on Emily um, about the painted tins was that was the was the previous logo on the tins and things was that the original painting and that your dad or or someone had come up with the yeah. iconic badger yeah yes, the, the badger yes the yeah. the original badger that is found on our badger hardworking hand balm mm -hmm. was the original artwork and was used in our logo up until very recently yeah um, and Rebecca has really it's been about a year and a half of working on how to envision. Um, yeah, how do you stay true to your roots but communicate a different thing and take mm -hmm. it into the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we started with the sunscreen. 
And I said, okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, how do, our sunscreen isn't quite communicating what we think it needs to. Mm-hmm. And we want it to sit <clears throat> on a shelf and really say, you know, that it's simple, clean, um, safe, that's connected to nature, that is not going to harm coral reefs. Like all of these things that we feel like are really important to communicate. And how do you make one single product on the shelf communicate that? Mm-hmm. So that was where we started. But when we started working on that project, we realized you couldn't take a product in isolation. We actually had to step back and look at how do we communicate who we are as a brand. And one of the big things that came up when we looked at the packaging is that the Badger words themselves didn't stand out. They looked generic. And what we realized is that we didn't have our own font, which if you're not in marketing and not thinking about business, like nobody really thinks about fonts or how much of the identity of a brand is in a font. But Uh, our creative directors... Ears are just perking up. Right <laughs> yeah. now. Oh, Christine's like, let's talk fonts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's big, and, it's a big deal, really. And so we really wanted to be intentional with mm-hmm. this. You know, we didn't want to have it be something that was just kind of thrown together. And so, um, what we ended up doing is our original Badger tin actually did have a custom font, but it was only the Badger. And it was written in a curve. So when we started writing Badger straight or having other products, we only had the letters written in a curve. So we had to use a generic font. And so we ended up going to a typography foundry. And we had our father write the words Badger again with his handwriting. And then we gave that handwritten Badger along with... I think he told stories to all of our graphics team and all of we're you know working with a team on the rebrand and so he he told them stories for several days just about founding a badger his life any yeah. I think he's he's writing a book so he read chapters so they got a little sense of who he was and then the foundry used his handwriting as the inspiration to create the whole alphabet oh my that word. now we're using as the font in our rebrand that is and so cool. So that was a way that we could both, we wanted to honor the past and honor his role in founding the company while we also really kind of moved into the future with how we're representing Badger. Wow. And so what does that future hold? I mean, uh, it's the one. (laughs) Because, I mean, Badger has hardly stood still. I mean, from that one small original product, you have created a whole line of products that run a a gamut. Can you talk about what some of those different products you've developed over the years are that have been the most successful and how is that informing where you're going to be taking the company moving forward? Well, I can talk about a couple of the successes and then I'll let Rebecca talk about what we see in the future. But um, over the years, the line has developed um, mostly based on a personal need, a product that um, one of us might have needed or an employee asked for or sometimes a customer inspired a new product. And sometimes we had, like the sunscreen Rebecca mentioned, we really thought it was going to be a very small and it just kind of took off. One of the early products we made was our sleep balm. And when our dad was still formulating at the time, and he mixed up this product that he put in a tin with a little label, and I think it said, Um, clear mind balm on it. And he thought it would be the kind of thing you would use at three o'clock in the afternoon when you were kind of getting tired and you'd drink a cup of coffee. But instead of drinking a cup of coffee, you could rub this product 
on your temples or under your nose, and it would just like calm you, and you could go through the rest of your day. Um, and handed out samples to employees, and I think was it Glenn who came back and said, "I love that product. I call it the Wall of Darkness, or something like that." And he's like, "I use it right before bed," and my dad's like, "No, no, no! You're not supposed to use it before bed. It's it's supposed to be in the afternoon, and it's got ginger in it, which is uplifting, and and the la- just a little bit of lavender. Lavender would calm you, but not enough to put you to sleep. But people kept saying that this product helped them sleep, and so." We have a product called Sleep Balm. It's one of our best-selling products. It's incredibly well-loved and distributed worldwide. And so if you go through our product line, there are numbers of products like that that just sort of found their place and the sales followed. Um, But Rebecca, I'm sure we'll talk about maybe some things we might see in the future. Sure. So a big part of what we're doing right now, um, we've we've called it a rebrand, and our mother came to us the other day, and she said, I don't think rebrand is the right word. Mm. I think we should be talking about um, an evolution. Because a rebrand sounds kind of surface (laughs) level, but this is a lot deeper. And I think it's been um, true in a lot of sense, because Mm -hmm. we're not just looking at changing the packaging. We're looking at who we want to be in the future. And so a big part of what Emily and I are focused on is we want to have a healthy company. We want to have a company where it is enjoyable to come into work each day, that people feel inspired by their work, that they're treated well. And we want to make products that are incredibly good, that are healing and therapeutic, and that make people's lives better. Mm-hmm. Right now, we feel like we have a lot of products and we have a lot of the elements that uh, are kind of helping to you know, run a healthy business and create healing products. But it's it's a little bit too complicated for what we think we need to be doing in the future. And so we're in a, in a process of trying to both evolve the look of our products, simplify the product lines to really the core products that we think we do best, and then add on some products that we feel like should be core that we're missing that would help to have uh, each of these lines feel complete. And so it's, it's a little bit of Uh, shifting around. We'll have some products that we may discontinue and some products we may bring in. And, uh, and it's this evolving process, but that's continues to be this goal of our shining vision in the future of having this company that, um, again, comes back to the mission of creating healing products and running a healthy business. And I would say if we kind of go way off into Mm -hmm, the future, this mm -hmm. aspirational goal, and this kind of is a little bit connected to climate change and other things going on in the world. I think ultimately, and this is part of um, what we're communicating in the rebrand is we want to cultivate good. And we chose this as a a kind of a tagline or something to fit below Badger Mm -hmm. because it, it represents this aspirational goal of can we actually be a consumer products company where with each product that we create, if you purchase a product, you're actually creating more good than harm? Because inherent in creating consumer packaged goods, we create harm in the world. Maybe it's not direct, maybe it's indirect, but you know, with each product we're selling, are we drawing down carbon or are we creating more carbon in the atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Are we making an environment more diverse and robust or are we taking away from diversity are we supporting a community or not and so i think that's a future aspirational goal or journey that we're on 
in uh, trying to create a healthier world and, and trying to continue on that path, path asking the question of can we actually cultivate good with the products that we make. Interesting. Yeah. We get really geeky. Like we'd like to actually be able to do a math problem where you add up the environmental costs of a product and the environmental gains of the organic agriculture or mm-hmm. regenerative agriculture, and you end up with a net positive. So that's like, that's the that, that's dream. The, <laughs> All right. That's yeah. the geeky dream that we have. <laughs> we want to say aspirationally, but we want it to be tangible and we want to be able to calculate it and get there. So we want to know where we are. And that's actually part of what we're doing right now as we start really outlining our journey to net zero by 2030 is, you know, what does that look like from a realistic standpoint? You know, if we go into bio-based plastic, like, is there a future in which the bio-based plastic is made from regenerative sugarcane, where the sugarcane is drying down carbon from the atmosphere? Mm. Again, we are far from perfect. This is a journey. There is no company in the world that is you know, fully there, but that's right. where we all need to be looking towards and what we need to be thinking about for the future. Right. I think that's the most important piece is that you're looking toward, you're always looking toward there, no matter how, um, you know, n- maybe not calculated your dad's invention of that bomb was, everything seems so, um, in the best way possible calculated and, and you're looking forward and that's amazing. That's, that's success. And, um, we're, we're excited that you came to share your story. Before we wrap, I want to know one thing, though, because I'm a fan of Badger products. What are your favorite products that you Ooh. use every day? Well, let's see. Um, the products I use every single day, the tea tree and lemon balm herbal lip care uh, is one of my favorites, although we just came out with lip butters, which are in tins again. We used to have lip balms in tins. We got rid of them, and they're back as of oh. this fall. They're these kind of buttery, lovely lip balms, and I'm working on making the switch so I can get away from plastic ah. as much as possible. Um, and I also love, I actually use our, our cleansing milk and baby oil on my face. So those are my daily, daily uses. Love it. Rebecca, yeah. how about you? I'm absolutely addicted to our rose uh, face oil. I, like if I go on a trip for two days without it, I'm miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but chances are you could find it somewhere where you are. Probably. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm thinking but then about have to pay bulk for sizes just for me. Um, and I would also say the lip butters are something that I use on quite a regular basis mm. and the sleep balm I use every night. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, Emily Schwerin-White and Rebecca Hamilton, thank you so much for joining us, bringing us the story of Badger, the future of Badger, uh, and, and the story of, um, of you and your family. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> now the buzz with Matt Mowry. So according to New Hampshire Employment Security, during the first year of the pandemic, personal consumption expenditures in New Hampshire fell from $72 billion in 2019 to $70.7 billion in 2020. Now, the good news is, is although there was this decline, per capita spending on goods increased by just over $600. Uh, in that same time frame. So while we are collectively spending less, when we're individually, we're purchasing more. So I guess there's a little bit of a silver lining in all of this. And that's the buzz.
Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. Matt, we joked early on uh, here at BizCast and H about your dulcet tones. Oh, yes. Uh, which, by the way, you're still working. So <laughs> it's, it's all good. Um, I've been told, though, especially um, when I'm calling someone on official business, when I put my business voice on, that I almost sound like a recording at first. <laughs> so people are like, Who, what is this? Should I hang up? And so I don't know. Maybe that's a compliment um, because voice folk, you know, voiceover folks are hard workers and, and talented. Maybe not. I don't know. I've had a couple sales calls come in my way recently. um, And one was, (laughs) it was the strangest experience. One was really scratchy. And instead of introducing herself, the person on the other end said very first thing, she said, hi, this is a recorded line. We're calling from, you know, such and such company. (laughs) So just like, just like anybody um, who's sort of pressed for time in their day, I hung up on her. Well, because it's a recording, right? Well, no, it was it was it was a recorded line, meaning that like oh, she, they were recording the conversation. Turns out, because she called back another another time, and I listened for more than the two seconds, she was calling from a company that I had looked into for um, voiceover IP phone service. Why she didn't just say that in the beginning of the call, I don't know, but it caused me to hang up. Luckily, I wasn't in the market for it because I wouldn't have used them. Um, <clears throat> I also had someone on the other side of, of how things things go when we're on the phone and when we're talking to folks. I also had a call from someone following up from a financial institution I had showed interest in at some point. I didn't even really remember when. Um, and he started out in a very conversational tone, introduced himself. He said simply that he was calling to follow up on an inquiry that I had made. Awesome, right? Great. I knew exactly what he wanted, so I thanked him for his call. I told him that I was no longer looking for service, but I appreciated his follow-up call, which was totally the truth, right? So, my friends and colleagues, when you're training your sales staff or even making calls yourself, remember, it's simple. Identify yourself right away, be approachable, be relaxed, and don't go into a 30-second long sales pitch right away unless you want to be hung up on. That's all. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. That's it. No sales pitch. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.